Welcome back to the Red Dice Diaries RPG podcast with John and Hannah. Hi. We're back once again with another bonus voicemail episode, cracking open our bulging post bag and looking at all the lovely messages that you send us. And first of all, we have a message from Joe Richter of the Hindsightless podcast. Hey there, you two. Great episode on why not to make a ginormous character background. Uh, Lots of really good points in there. I was wondering if either one of you two have ever actually had that happen. Uh, John, during the episode, John was talking about something being an apocryphal story, and that got me thinking. In the 10 years I've been back in the hobby, no player has ever brought me more than, I'd say, like a paragraph, maybe two, of a character background. And when I was playing as a kid, nobody ever did that. And so I was just wondering, is that like, was that really popular from like the mid 90s to 2010 or so during that time period? Because I didn't play at all during then. So I think I missed some of these tropes. I've just heard people talking about players doing this for years now, and I've just never seen it myself. So anyway, have you? Peace out. Hi, Joe. Thanks for the message. Um, Now that you mention it, it was the late 90s. It was early two thousands when I encountered a few of these. Then World of Darkness days. And I, I must admit, I was guilty of more than one or two of them myself. I know the GM that we played Vampire Live Action with thoroughly approved of the lengthy character backgrounds, but rarely got a chance to use them for everybody. Yeah. And I think that left quite a few players frustrated. I, I think as well there was there was a certain feeling, certain amongst the players that I gamed with when it came to like, the World of Darkness and the story teller game systems was that you had quite a lot of like what are called backgrounds in those games like mm. your level of resources your haven stuff like that mm-hmm. and it almost felt like the done thing at the time that you had to have like a really detailed background to justify why you had more money than god or you had servants or a mansion or whatever yeah and i suppose to some degree when you're supposed to be playing a 200 year old vampire yeah. it is useful for the gm to have a vague idea what you were up to for those 200 years but again five bullet points are a lot more useful than five pages of writing. Yeah, and I think as Hannah was saying, certainly when we play like Mind's Eye Theatre, which is the live action version, that's like a parlour RPG. You know, you actually role play out like the meetings in Elysiums and stuff like that. A lot of the actual action of the game takes place in downtime. So because you're writing lots of downtimes and stuff like that, because this was before emails and whatever, you had to like write on a piece of paper and uh, mm-hmm. hand it over to the GM. So since you're already doing that writing, having a background sort of made a bit more sense in that specific type of game and then I think probably we just carried it forward to other games really the other thing to consider that is is that over the last 15 years there has been a big rise in places to put fan fiction yeah and people talk about that sort of stuff a bit more with each other and pass those places on to each other if they like that kind of fiction so there's like a suitable place to put it so it doesn't end up getting put into your role play game unnecessarily yeah. and I think you're absolutely right sweetie there's more different outlets for that creative energy whereas I, I certainly know that sort of early to mid 90s when I was sort of doing like live action vampire so I, I didn't have a blog i didn't have a podcast i didn't have anything like that um so a lot of my creativity all got funneled into like my character and i was like i want to make this the, the best character in the world and he's gonna have a 200 year background and justify all the things on the sheet and the flaws and the merits and stuff like that and yeah probably i think part of that as well was also sort of getting carried away with like the idea of like oh it's this new type of system it's different it's all more in depth and more involved mm. which now when i look back 
back at it seems a little bit silly. <laughs> but obviously, when I was in my teenage years, I already got swept up in all that. So I think it definitely has happened, but I think you are one of the lucky people to have missed that period of role-playing. So let's see what else Joe's got to say. Hey, Hannah and John. Loving the monster episodes. I think they're really, really cool. If you're looking around and stuck for a monster, maybe you could do Red Caps. They're one of my favorite monsters, but I don't know much about them outside of the gaming world. So, you know, I just thought I'd throw that out there. Anyway, you two, keep up the great work, and I'll talk to you soon. Peace out. Hey there, Joe. Thank you very much for your suggestion. Both myself and Hannah are big fans of Red Caps, actually. We've role-played a number of them at various LARPs that we've been to and we've certainly used them in tabletop games as well we should be doing an episode on red caps for the friday friend or foe and in fact that'll probably come out before this episode is broadcast so please feel free to call in and tell us what you think about it cheers okay so thank you very much for those calls joe and now we've got a couple of calls from my old mucker Colin Green, fellow co-host of Purple Worm and also, of course, of the legendary Spike Pit podcast. So, let's see what Colin's got to say for himself. Oh man, bang on guys with the taverns. There's so much you can do there. Um, recently, I'm running in Port Nine Zaru and there's a place called the Thundering Lizard. It was just a name on a page in a book. I'd failed to prepare properly and I totally had to improvise this crazy, colourful place known for its reputation of liveliness um i took inspiration from things like the notting hill street carnival to some extent i think i had the club tropicana video playing in my mind and various 80s music videos so it was party central the uh the bar owner was like a kind of vaguely rastafarian guy with dreads and he was a frustrated singer so he keeps bursting into bits of song or he's kind of like calling out tune as the band is playing in the background it's been such a great location really different we're really enjoying it keep up the good work i i've also been super enjoying the friend or foe friday i was quite surprised with the unicorn episode i i don't know what i was thinking really on unicorns but you bought some insight to me uh, the comparison that you do with second edition monster manual and fifth edition i really like that idea and the two of you kind of bouncing ideas backwards and forwards is our is always going to be a winner i, I think uh, getting back to the second edition fifth edition thing I, I think some of the the deity and sort of like god's type celestial stuff was dialed back purposefully in second edition because of the sort of uh, backlash from satanic panic but i could be wrong on that one take care i'll catch you later hi colin uh thanks ever so much for the messages i'm really glad you're enjoying the uh, podcasts um i hadn't at all considered the idea that the second ed monster manual would have been affected by the satanic panic but you're probably right yeah i mean i suppose we tend not to think about it because we didn't really like have it to the same extent no spirit games got picketed a couple of times people pointed and laughed and then they didn't come back that was it as far as we heard about it you know there'd still be kids in school going oh D&D that's devil worshipping but they weren't at the D&D club so who cares (laughs) whereas I think over on the other side of the pond it got to be a massive thing didn't it yeah I mean over here if you like like Hannah said you had a couple of people sneering us and going about devil worship but over here you could tell them to fuck off whereas 
you can't really you couldn't really do that in America so because <laughs> it was so prevalent so I don't think we felt the the pressure of that to the same extent but yeah thank you for bringing that up Colin I genuinely like Hannah had not considered that at all but it's definitely something to bear in mind in the future and I think there are probably a number of different factors contributing to like, the increased sort of prevalence of deities and demigods and stuff like that in 5th edition obviously they're going for a more mythic sort of high fantasy vibe in 5th edition whereas Eurosar stuff tends to be a bit more sort of down and dirty and a bit more sort of grubby I don't want to say low fantasy because there's magic and stuff in it still but it certainly has a different feel to 5th edition not to say that either of them are bad just that they are sort of approaching it very mm. differently but as you say there are certainly other considerations to take under advisement and finally to round things off for this episode we received an email from my old friend Rob Davis in Canada and he says I just wanted to drop you a line saying I listened to and enjoyed this episode I sympathise with your frustration at players who don't show up for games so he's obviously referring to the players sort your stuff out episode I think you have more patience than most in this regard when a GM espouses the qualities of a good player versus a poor one they often omit reliability and Rob says I'll take a player who is only mediocre at playing but reliable over one who is a good role player but unavailable half the time and he rounds off by saying anyway I enjoyed the podcast and look forward to the next one so thank you very much rob really glad you're enjoying the episode and you're listening along to them and yeah i agree it can be very frustrating and i think part of it comes from that whole sort of nonsense idea that players just turn up and play and the gm does everything else whereas i've always approached it with the idea that everyone getting involved in a role-playing game is responsible for the enjoyment game Well, well exactly yeah and everyone should be pulling together to make a game that's enjoyable for everyone rather than everything getting lumped on to the GM. So thank you very much for that email, Rob. That's it for this voicemail episode. Thank you to everyone who has got in touch with us and left us messages. If you want to get in touch with us and feature in a future show, you can leave us a message on the SpeakPipe website, link in the description, or you can send us an email to rddrpgpodcast at gmail.com. Until we see you next time, take care, stay safe, and keep gaming. Bye.